You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Galatians chapter 3 is where we're going to be at tonight. Oh, we finally finished Galatians 1 and 2. Oh, on to Galatians 3. Give you a little bit of a refresher. Paul is writing to the churches at Galatia, a group of churches, not a singular church. Uh, and he, his primary reason for writing is to refute false teaching, uh, to set these false teachers in their place, to tell people what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. Uh, he's gone through already uh, in chapter number two and told us that we are saved, we are justified, we're declared righteous before God, not based on keeping the law, not based on anything that we have done, but by grace alone, faith alone, the blood of Christ alone. And so that sets there the, the tone for where we go for the, really for the rest of the book. But there's nothing you and I can do to earn salvation, to earn God's good graces, to earn God's favor. It is uh, God's grace is his grace alone. Uh, if you add works to God's grace, it's no longer grace. And Paul starts off uh, chapter number three here. And he says, oh, foolish Galatians. If you're taking notes, I entitled tonight's message, how to be a spiritual fool, uh, because he uses the word foolish here several times. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit that you're now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doth he do it by the works of the law? or by the hearing of faith. Here again, we see faith or works. It cannot be both. Uh, again, anyone who believes that they can be saved based on their good works or what they have done really just needs to read the book of Galatians because it's very clear as you read this entire letter that Paul writes, hey, it's either faith or it's works. It cannot be a combination of both because our works will corrupt God's grace and God's grace will automatically obliterate any works that we want to try to accomplish here. And he asked them the question, did you receive this grace, be it grace or by faith, or did you receive it through your works? Paul uses the word here, foolish. Read the word foolish in the Bible, it's never in a positive connotation. Uh, foolish means someone who knows the truth but chooses to act otherwise. If you read through the book of Proverbs, I highly recommend that everyone become a student of the book of Proverbs, it's the book of wisdom. You'll find four people that are listed, you'll find uh, the simple person, they just don't know any better, they're ignorant, nobody's ever told them. Uh, you'll see the foolish person, the person who knows what to do but chooses not to do it and act in their own, what they think is their own self-interest. You see the wise person who sees wisdom and acts accordingly and chooses the wise path. And then the last one you have is you have the scorner. This is the person who hates the truth, he hates wisdom, and he hates all those that would follow after wisdom. Uh, the Bible says the scorner needs to be cast out. Uh, get them away as far as you can. The Bible says that the foolish man can be taught and so we don't need to give up on the foolish people and just automatically uh, write them off. But the scorner, the Bible says, get rid of them because they will not ever learn. And so Paul, as he writes to these fools in this case, or people who are behaving foolishly, he challenges them harshly. He encourages them strongly to come back to the faith. 
We take a look at notes here. Uh, basically, I, I've given you, I'm giving you tonight six ways to be a spiritual fool. First of all, we're foolish when we confuse the clear teachings of Scripture. Paul says in verse number one, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? The Bible's really clear. Uh, the Bible's very simple. Now, to, in defense of the churches at Galatia, understand they didn't have all of the Bible the way that you and I have. They didn't have the clear teachings of Scripture the way that you and I would have. So there was a little bit of confusion in that day. They basically didn't really know who to follow. Should they follow uh, Peter and James and John and these guys that, uh, and Paul, these guys that were, were solid teachers in the church? Or what about these new teachers that were coming in that were trying to blend a little bit of the Jewish tradition with a little bit of Christian tradition and kind of make something new from Judaism? Should, who should we follow here? And they became, became confused. But Paul tells them, hey guys, you knew the truth. You knew what was right, but they allowed someone to come in and muddy the waters. Uh, I enjoy listening sometimes to, to Adrian Rogers. He's passed away, but he was uh, for a long time pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And one of his famous quotes that he has is, just because it's muddy doesn't mean that it's deep. Uh, and talk about sometimes you hear preaching and you get confused by it. You think to yourself, oh, that was really deep. I'm so confused. I didn't even understand that. And sometimes people are just confusing. They talk in circles. It doesn't make it spiritually and theologically deep. So we need to understand the Bible's very, very simple book. What God wants us to understand is plainly written for us so that we can understand it. Uh, praise God that we have a translation of the Bible in English that we can understand. Uh, many people to this day still do not have a Bible in their own native language. Uh, if you, uh, I'm reading an outstanding book right now. I'm, get, I'm in the process of getting as many copies as I can get my hands on. Uh, a book written by my pastor in California called Outsiders. It talks about people of the faith who gave their life for the faith. Uh, and just to read the stories of guys like uh, William Tyndale and John Wycliffe and guys like this that gave their life for the translation of the Bible into English so that you and I could hold in our hands a copy of God's Word. These guys gave their lives for it. Uh, and, but they, they did so so that you and I could clearly understand Scripture. Anyone who confuses the gospel, know this, it's not of God. The Bible says God's not the author of confusion. It's not difficult to get saved. We've talked about that several times here. Faith in Christ alone, repentance of sin, that's it. It's all you need to be saved. And anyone who would add to that or confuse that or, or, or obscure the truth, know that, that, that that's not of God. No one wants to bring confusion to the gospel. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit would never bring confusion to the gospel. Who would want to confuse the truth? The devil's been an enemy of the truth since the Garden of Eden. The devil wants to bring confusion and so if you want to become a spiritual fool, you can confuse the clear teachings of Scripture. I'm always uh, troubled when Christians uh, buy into these books that they find at the Christian bookstore. It talks about a new way to unlock your relationship with God. Hey, look, there's no new way to unlock it. Uh, a new way to get your prayers answered. It's just like, uh-uh. No, uh, 2,000 plus years of, of biblical history show us that we don't really need a new way to interact with God. The old ways, it works just fine. So we're not looking for a, a new way. We're not looking for uh, to confuse what the Bible makes very clear. Secondly, we're foolish when we elevate emotions over Scripture. If you take a look at verse number one here, it says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? That word bewitched means to charm or to fascinate in a misleading way. 
by flattery or false promises. This means getting people's emotions involved so that they will turn from the truth. And notice it's interesting here, Paul says, hey, who did that to you? Because generally when we slide away from truth, someone took us there. Think about that for a second. Generally when we slide away from truth, someone took us there. And Paul says here, hey, who, took you, who told you guys that? Again, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, God says, hey guys, where are you at? Uh, we can't come out right now because we're naked. What did God ask him? Who told you that? Who told you you were naked? Hmm. Somebody pulled them away from the truth. In this case here, the Galatians, they knew exactly what they were supposed to do. They knew that Jesus Christ was the only way to heaven. They knew that faith in Christ and repentance would save and justify them, made them right before God. But somebody came along and told them that wasn't good enough. And he says, who did that? Who tricked you? Who caused your heart to elevate its emotions over the clear teachings that I'd already given you? And we become foolish when we elevate our feelings and emotions over what the Bible has to say. Again, we call a Baptist church is a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. What the Bible says settles it. I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care how I feel about it. The Bible stands alone, and it doesn't need our validation. It's funny, sometimes you'll see a bumper sticker that says, uh, God said it, uh, I believe it, that settles it. <laughs> Understand, God doesn't need your check mark to settle it. God said it, it's settled. The Bible said forever settled in heaven. It doesn't matter what you or I think about it. And oftentimes we'll come to people and say, well, I just don't believe the Bible's true. That doesn't change the fact that it's true. Well, I don't know if I can believe that or not. Truth is not predetermined based on your feelings or my feelings. But oftentimes people take the clear teachings of Scripture and they set them to the side for the way that they feel. This is incredibly evident in, in the Pentecostal movement and the fact that people are looking for signs, miracles, and wonders. They're chasing after these out outward displays of the Holy Spirit. And they're looking for the opportunity to be able to speak in tongues or uh, speak a word of prophecy or lay their hand on somebody and they'd be healed or to cast out demons from somebody or something like that. And if you really just read through the scriptures, Galatians tells us in chapter number five when we get there, here's what the outpouring of the Holy Spirit looks like in your life. Love, joy, peace. Well, that's no fun. That's not exciting. We can't get people hyped up on a Sunday morning. We can't get people running laps from love. What good is that? What good is long suffering? I mean, really, that, that's not exciting. I don't wanna be known for long suffering. I wanna be the guy that prays in the spirit and brings heaven down. I wanna be that guy, right? I don't wanna be known as the guy of joy. Where's the fun in that? And they take Clear teachings of scripture, here's what the Holy Spirit looks like, set it to the side and want a feeling, elevate emotion. I had somebody one time tell me that, that left our church. They said, Pastor, um, the time that I've been at Hui Kala, I've never heard more of the Bible preached in my entire life. They grew up in church their whole life, Pentecostal church. Never heard the Bible preached in my entire life the way that I've heard it preached at Hui Kala. I've never learned more from the Bible than I've learned at Hui Kala. I've never met more genuine followers of Christ that really show love to one another in community the way that I have at Hui Kala. So tell me why you're leaving. Because I feel like I need to use my spiritual gifts of speaking in tongues. Got it. 
Now, can we take a look at what the Bible says? The Bible says that if you're going to use the gift of tongues in church, you have to have an interpreter. What language do you speak in? Well, I speak in an angelic language. Do you have an interpreter? No, I don't. That's in violation of Scripture. I know, Pastor, but here it comes. I just know what I feel. I just know what's inside of me. I know what I feel, and I can't deny my feelings. Okay. We've taken our feelings and we've elevated them over what the Scripture says. And just know, whether it, regardless of what your, your issue is, anytime you say, I know what the Bible says, but just stop right there because whatever you say after that is the most foolish statement that you could ever possibly make as a Christian. I know what the Bible says, but that doesn't really apply to me. I know what the Bible says, but my situation is different. I know what the Bible says, but I know how I feel. I know what the Bible says, but I know what happened the other day. I know what the Bible says, but anytime we elevate ourselves as the source of wisdom over God's word, we run into trouble every single time, and you're a spiritual fool if you do that. Again, when I don't feel like obeying the Bible, my feelings are wrong. We took a look at that this morning. When I don't feel like obeying the Bible, my feelings are always wrong 100% of the time and I need to change my feelings. You say, well, it's hard to change your feelings. I know it is. I'm with you. That's why Paul says, if you remember Galatians 2.20 that we just took a look at last Sunday, I'm crucified with Christ, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Well, you can't do this on your own. You can't put your own feelings to death. But the second that your feelings go against Scripture, your feelings are wrong. And know this, you cannot trust your heart. You can't. I can't trust my heart. Follow your heart, worst advice ever given. Follow the Lord, follow God's word, follow godly counsel. Can't go wrong with that. Follow your heart, you'll go wrong every time. So be careful that we don't elevate our emotions over Scripture. I've known people who have left who we call a Baptist church because they wanted a church with more exciting music. So they go to a church with better music but worse theology. And they say, I had one person tell me this. Well, I know their doctrine's kind of off, but that's just a trade-off I'm willing to make. Hmm, careful with that. When you compromise the truth, you have nothing left. Just know that. And again, please understand I'm not saying we're the only church in town that uh, preaches the truth or has the truth or has strong doctrine or anything like that, but the church they were going to was known for false doctrine. And they said, I just, I just feel the Spirit when I'm there. Through what? Because the Spirit is truth. Oh, I just, I love the music there. I'm just drawn to that. They've got a really good band, a great show, and it's just, it's just pumping in there. But you understand the doctrine is wrong. Yeah, I get that, but it's a trade-off I'm willing to make. Mm, careful with that. Again, allow yourself to be ruled by God's Word. Next. We're foolish when we're influenced by unproven teachers. Again, the churches at Galatia did not have the luxury of Scripture the way that you and I have it. That's why Paul was having to write them a letter to tell them what was right. But they were disobeying the clear teachings of Paul, we know for sure. Because Paul starts off the letter, guys, how quickly you turn from the truth. That didn't take very long. So at least we know for sure that Paul had influenced them properly. Christianity was fairly new at this time, and most of the folks would uh, probably have either been saved at the church at Jerusalem or had been a convert of someone who had been saved at the church of Jerusalem. So now they're not listening to solid pastoral teaching. They're giving their ear to people that are unproven. That's why Paul says in verse number one, uh, here again, who hath bewitched you? Who tricked you? And you and I, many times, 
we hear some, somebody that we hear on the radio that's really charismatic or we see somebody post a YouTube video online that gets you pumped up and gets you fired up or some new book that just came out that's a bestseller or, uh, hey, I saw this guy on Oprah. Oh, my word, it was so exciting, you know? And we've all we've become enamored by unproven teachers. And you say, well, pastor, how do you know who's proven or not? This right here is your guidebook. Every single time, 100% of the time. Is what they're saying, does it line up with scripture? If not, you're an unproven false teacher. Simple as that. I want to learn from people who have been through some stuff. I want to be from, hear from people who have been down the road a little ways. I want to hear from people, not who planted a, a church that grew to 10,000 people. I want to talk to the guy who has 100 people and is just grinding it out in the middle of Iowa somewhere, you know? I want to talk to people who've been faithful. I want to talk to people who have children that love Jesus and are adults and are still serving Jesus. I want to be around people like that. I don't want to hear what some flash-in-the-pan dude on the internet has to say. Oh, he had some really good YouTube videos. Yeah, so what? Is he proven? Is he faithful? Is he faithful to the Word of God? When I was a younger Christian, I was listening to, and again, the internet was fairly new and stuff like that, but I was listening to a lot of these te teachers and preachers on the internet, and, and I thought that they were new and they were exciting and they were, they were younger guys who were saying really hard stuff, and I became enamored by that, only to find out one by one these men began to fall into sin. Pride, anger, sexual immorality, and these guys were unproven. We can't allow ourselves to be influenced by that Paul's saying here, hey, guys, you knew the truth. Don't walk away from the truth. Next, we're foolish when we look for a new way to encounter God. Here we verse number two. Paul says, this only would I learn of you. <laughs> it's interesting. Paul writes this just absolutely flaming letter. I can't imagine whoever delivered this letter to the churches at Galatia was just like, hmm, hey, guys, have fun reading this one. <laughs> Here's what he says in verse number two. Hey, I just gotta know one thing, just one thing. He says, there's just one thing I need to know from you. Did you get the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? That's all I need to know. This Holy Spirit that you have, did you get it by the way that you earned it or did you get it by faith? That's really all I need to know here. Because someone who came and said, oh, it's good that you've received Jesus Christ by faith, but now let's add Judaism on top of that. Hey, it's good that you've been saved, but let's add circumcision. Let's add feast days on there. Let's, let's add dietary restriction. That'll help you take it to the next level. And these people are like, oh, there's like next level. Oh yeah, we wanna do that. And Paul's like, wait, wait, wait. Let's just go back to where we started. You didn't receive the Holy Spirit by works. You received it by faith. And he goes on to say, are you gonna continue in the spirit or are you gonna continue in your flesh? Again, be wary of anyone who says that they've unlocked the new secrets of the Bible. There are no new secrets of the Bible. Beware of anybody who says uh, that they know when Christ is coming. Jesus himself said that. And it blows me away. Every four or five years, some knucklehead gets on the internet or on the radio and says, we figured it out. We've unlocked the secrets of the Bible. We've understood the 40th week of Daniel and Jesus Christ is coming back on June the 15th, uh, 2013. Everybody's like, oh, <gasps> And everybody who knows the Bible goes, dude, chill out. You're making real Christians look bad, right? And you have people who aren't believers who say, is Jesus really coming back in July? No, that guy's an idiot. Please don't listen to him. He makes real Christians look bad. But for you and I, many times we can 
find some new book or find some new podcast that we hear that's like, oh, here's a new way to interact and encounter God. Hey, I'll tell you how to encounter God. Prayer, Bible reading. You wanna get really crazy with it? Start fasting. Fasting prayer, Bible reading, church attendance, Christian fellowship. Hey, those things are gonna take you to the next level. That's not a new idea. That's a book of Acts chapter number two idea though for you there, right? I got a 2,000 year old way to encounter God that's worked just fine for the last 2,000 years. We don't need a new way to encounter God. Uh, I said this before and I'll say it again. 98% of the books that are in a Christian bookstore are garbage. Be very careful with stuff like that. Uh, we, every single book that we have in our, on our bookshelf over here, I've personally read and it's been a help to me personally. Again, you still need discernment when you read any book written by a man or a woman. Uh, you need to, to read with discernment when you read those. But the books that we have over here are pretty solid. I went to Barnes & Noble one time because I was trying to find a copy of, uh, um, I forget what I was getting. There's Total Money Makeover or something like that that they had uh, in stock there. And I went over and I was looking in the Christian book section and it was, I don't know that it was 98% garbage. I think it was about 100% garbage. And I just wanted to take the fiction sign and put it over there in the Christian section. It's just like, all this is junk. Don't read any of it, right? Sometimes I do. We'll go in the Barnes & Noble. I'll stick a gospel track in the really bad ones by Joel Osteen and stuff like that. Uh, just because, uh, hey, if you get this book, well, at least once you get the, a little bit of truth. Uh, but uh, anyways. Um, but people are, are so excited about a new way. And I don't know what it is about human nature. We're always looking for something new, something exciting, you know? If you ever meet anybody that loses weight, what's the first question you ask them? How are you doing it? And isn't it boring when they say, eat right exercise? Like, nobody wants to hear that. I want to hear like you're eating avocado seeds, right? <laughs> I want to hear something like that. I'm on the pumpkin diet where I eat only pumpkin year-round. It's like, ooh, that's exciting, right? What's wrong with us that, that simple answers aren't good enough? Hey, you want to hear from Jesus? Read the Bible. You know? One man said, if you want to hear from God, read the Bible. If you want to hear from God audibly, read it aloud. <laughs> I love that. Why is it that we want just like, ooh, I want a new experience? You know, there's something's became uh, common. And it's, again, this is not new, but it's, it's, I think it's new to our area. Uh, a couple of years ago, contemplative prayer at one of the, the churches here. And the idea is you go in a room and you shut the lights off and you sit there very quietly and you listen for God. Excuse me? You sit me in a, a cold, dark room with the lights off? I'm going to sleep in like 30 seconds, right? <laughs> the only thing I'm encountering is the back of my eyelids, right? But why is it that we... We don't have rooms set up where you can come and read your Bible in peace and quiet for 30 minutes. We want to turn all the lights off and sit and listen for God because we constantly are searching for something new, something exciting. Let me just tell you this. The Bible's exciting if you commit your life to it. God's word will, will blow your mind if you'll commit to it. We don't need a new way. The, the churches at Galatia were looking for a new way. Next. We're foolish when we become wise in our own eyes. It's interesting, Paul's being sarcastic in verse number two, but he asks, he says, hey, I want to learn from you for a minute. He's being sarcastic when he says, hey, guys, since you're so much farther in your spiritual walk than I am, let me learn from you for just a minute. And I believe that they had created a spirit of pride within themselves. 
Be careful when you think you got it all together. Be careful you're wise. Be careful when you think that Bible preaching is not really a help to you anymore. It's interesting, again, you know, people have come and gone over the course of Huikala for the last six years, and they'll continue to come and go for the next 60 years. That's fine. We've had people leave before there who say, you know what, uh, I'm leaving because I really feel like I've outgrown the preaching here. It's just like, okay. Are you still struggling with pornography? Well, yeah. Are you still having sex with your girlfriend? Well, yeah. Are you still sharing your faith? No. No. So it's the preaching, right? No, certainly it's not. They become proud They've outgrown this. They're, better, they're bigger than that. They're better than that. They're still struggling with sin. Don't want to admit that, but they're, they're bigger and better. Be careful with that. I have to walk in humility every single day. You have to walk in humility every single day. We're not for the grace of God. You and I would quit on Jesus tonight. And I need to remember that. I'm never better than anybody. I'm never further down the road than anybody else. I have to stay humble. I have to continue to stay hungry for the word of God. And the second that I think I got it all together, I'm smarter than everybody else, I got problems. Again, that's why many times I have to give a caveat when I say things like we're not the only church in town with the truth or we're not the only people with, uh, with strong doctrine and things like that because if we're not careful, I've seen people before go, yeah, it's just us holding the line till Jesus comes. No, actually it's not. It's not incredibly common in our day that people are strong on doctrine and conservative in their beliefs and values and things like that. But we're not the only ones in the world with the truth and we're not the only ones holding the line. Hey, committed Christians throughout all of history have held the line. We just hold the line with them. But sometimes we can be puffed up with pride, like, oh, we're so much better than everybody else. Oh, we're so much better than this or that. I, I hope you love your, your church. I love this church. Again, if I wasn't the pastor of the church, I'd still be a member of the church. I love you guys. I love what our church stands for. I love the fact that we can be conservative on, on Bible doctrine and conservative in our values, but we can be liberal with God's grace and help people that are going through a rough spot and show people the love of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. But the second we begin to be puffed up with pride that we're somebody, we become uh, a stumbling block to the cause of Christ. Final thought here tonight. We're foolish when we leave the true gospel behind and look for something else. Jesus, before he went back to heaven, gave us our mission. It's the Great Commission. Some of you are going through discipleship and you see... Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, uh, over and over and over and over and over again through discipleship. Why? Because that's the mission of the church, the Great Commission. Great Commission can be summed up in four words, go, win, baptize, teach. That's it. It's a big deal. It's what we do here at this church. It's why who we call it exists, to go, win, baptize, teach. The second that we stop going, winning, and baptizing and teaching, our church ceases to be what Jesus has called us to be. And we're just another community club, nonprofit organization that, that takes up real estate. But as long as we go, win, baptize, teach, we are the church that Jesus started and we are fulfilling the mission that Jesus has given to the church. The second that we leave that behind, we no longer are effective for the cause of Christ. But oftentimes the go and baptize, teach isn't exciting. It's not flashy enough. And it's funny, sometimes people even have to make uh, things like baptism even flashier. I saw a, a church one time that... Uh, they had a clear baptismal tank and it was lit by LEDs from the bottom. And when the person came, I'm not making this up, when the person came to get in the tank, the, the tank was red, the water was red in there. And then when they went under, it flashed blue and when they came up, it went clear. And everybody claps. And it's just like, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ not flashy enough? 
Like seriously, do we have to add something to that to make baptism exciting? We have someone who is a sinner who's put their faith and trust in Christ and has been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and they're signifying that by following the Lord and believers baptism today and we gotta get a light show to make that exciting? That just doesn't even make sense. And when go win, baptize, teach isn't enough for us to get fired up anymore, we become spiritually foolish. And then we begin to chase after other things. Let's do more exciting stuff. Let's do a different kind of ministry. And this is what happened here. They left the clear teachings of the gospel and they'd gone elsewhere. Verse number three, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit that you're now made perfect or you made mature in the flesh? Hey, you started, you were saved, you were justified by the Holy Spirit of God, but you left that and now you think you can be made mature by the works of your flesh? doesn't work that way. If you were saved in the spirit, you need to be mature in the spirit. Verse four, have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? All the stuff that you've gone through, was it for nothing? Are you really gonna leave the clear teachings of the Bible behind to follow after this new fad, this new flash in the pan? And hey, just know this, that whole mixture of Judaism plus Christianity, the, the mixing of those things together, it didn't last this idea that you had to follow Jewish tradition to still be saved, that was a religion that kind of came and went. It was a phase. It was a fad. You know what stood the true test of time? The gospel. It always does. And let me just tell you this. If Jesus Christ doesn't come back in the next thousand years, a thousand years from now, somebody's going to be standing in a pulpit somewhere talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind because the gospel never gets old. We never outgrow it. We never get past it. We never get a new mission that we get to fulfill. This is it, and this is as good as it gets. And this is what we do. But if you feel like you've kind of outgrown the gospel, I hope you never get tired of hearing the gospel. Again, we're gonna talk through it every single Sunday for as long as I'm the pastor here. We're gonna talk about why it's important what Jesus did for us. I hope you never get tired of that. I hope you're never like, oh, great, he's getting through the gospel again. I hope you're listening to that every week going, oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, man, I needed that. Oh, I want to learn more about this so that I can share it with other people. There's a, a man that I discipled uh, several years ago, and uh, he said, oh, you know, he was a newer believer. I led him to Christ, and uh, he was telling me, he said, oh, yeah, pastor, the other day I had the opportunity to share the gospel with a coworker. I was just like, you did? He was like, yeah. And I said, what did you tell him? Well, I, mean, I told him he'd sinned and I'd sinned and because of that we were going to go to hell and Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins and he had to make a choice if he was going to put his faith and trust in Christ or keep going his own way. And he didn't get saved, but at least I told him, right? Okay, where did you get all of that? And he goes, well, Pastor, you say it every single Sunday. It's like, you know, if you don't, you're not picking it up, you're just not paying attention. I thought to myself, hmm, right on, good for you. And here's somebody who just by osmosis and here's the gospel and can understand what's going on and clearly articulate it to another person. Why? Because the gospel is a big deal here. There's churches that just sit in for months and never hear the gospel. There's churches that sit in for years and never hear the gospel. God helped them. They're not fulfilling the purpose that God intended them to. They've become just another nonprofit that's doing good stuff in the community. But for us, we got a different job. If you ever feel like you've outgrown the gospel, Check your heart, check yourself, humble yourself, come back to where you started. 
If you ever feel like you've outgrown sound doctrine and you just need something that gets you a little bit more pumped up, check your heart before you elevate emotions over truth. It's the hardest thing in the world to see people leave Hui Kala and go to the mainland and struggle to find a good church. I was talking with a man this past week looking for a church. He says, Pastor, I feel like I have to compromise on something. He says, I just feel like, and I said, said, no church is going to be Hui Kala. You got to understand that. He goes, no, 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 I know that. He said, but if I go to a church with strong doctrine, he says, the people there aren't very loving. And he goes, I don't feel like I can bring an unsafe coworker there, an unsafe friend there, because we as Christians don't even feel at home there. Ooh, that's a bad place to be. But there's a church up the street. Their doctrine's pretty close, but they're loving, they're inclusive, they preach the gospel, and, and they're pretty much close with us on, on this, but they're not a Baptist church. What should we do? Mm. If we have to make a compromise, I don't want to compromise on doctrine, but at the same time, you can't compromise on love either. Christ says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, your love one to another. And so if you got to give something up, Make sure that you know what you believe and the doctrine that you believe, but being a loving church, you can bring an unsaved person to it and see them get saved. Why? Because our mission is the gospel. And if you're in a church that, that wouldn't have a, an environment where someone could hear the gospel and be saved, it's probably not a good church to be in. I often tell people this, if you don't feel like you could bring an unsaved friend, unsaved family member to church there and they would feel welcome, loved, and hear the gospel, you probably need to find a new church. It's hard to say that, but it's just where it is. So what can we do as a church? We have a heart check. Is our mission still the mission? Go win, baptize, teach. Is that still what drives us? I hope so. Are we willing to commit to solid doctrine regardless of what it costs us? I hope so. Don't ever start looking for a new thing. Don't ever start looking for a new way to encounter God. Don't ever be looking for a fresh way to spice up your walk with God. Hey, it's just simple. Just come back to the basics. Just you, your Bible, open heart before God. You'll never go wrong with that. Most important thing in the world, if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that you're saved, please don't leave here until you know for sure your sins are forgiven and the heaven's your home. For those of us who know Jesus, man, let's walk with Jesus this week. If we say we love the truth, let's spend time in it this week because uh, it'll change our lives.